0: of the Faith Podcast. My name's Robert Daniels, and I'm the host of this show. This is the podcast where we look at people from the age of the Church who have been important to the Christian faith. These are folks that have lived out their faith in a unique or interesting way. They are giants in the history of Christendom. Hall of Famers, if you will. In this episode, we're focusing in on Richard Wormbrand, the Romanian minister who suffered under the Nazis and Communists and went on to found the Voice of the Martyrs. His is a tale of strength and faith in the face of great persecution, and points to the ultimate victory of Christ. Richard Wormbrand was born into a Jewish family on March 24, 1909, in Bucharest, Romania. He was the youngest of four boys. His father was a dentist and briefly moved the family to Istanbul when Richard was a young boy. Unfortunately, his father died from the Spanish flu in 1919, and the family was left in extreme poverty. By 1915, they'd moved back to Romania, but Richard wasn't to stay long. He was sent to Moscow to study Marxism. Richard was an intelligent child. He could speak nine languages. A year after being sent to Russia, he secretly returned to Romania as an agent of the Comintern. The Comintern was a grassroots organization that advocated for world communism, by any means necessary. As such, Richard was paid directly by the communists in Moscow. Romania was not a communist country at the time, and he was arrested several times as an agitator. He was held at least once in the Daftana, a Romanian prison that's about as horrible as you can imagine that it is. Eventually, Richard found work as a stockbroker, which is kind of an odd profession for a communist sympathizer. But he seems to have left those sympathies behind. He did well, and on October 26, 1936, he married Sabina Oster. For a time, Richard and Sabina lived a life of dinner parties and the nightlife. Until, that is, they took a vacation to the rural Romanian mountains in 1938. In the village where they were staying was a carpenter named Christian Wolfkes. Christian was a Christian and had been praying for the opportunity to witness to a Jew. He'd been sick and was nursed back to health by a Jewish Christian, so when he recovered, he asked God for a chance to be a witness to a Jew. His problem was that there were no Jews in his village. He was pretty excited to get the chance to speak to the Wormbrands when they came to town. Christian gave them a Bible and told them it was a book about the most famous Jew that had ever lived that most Jews know nothing about. Richard and Sabina had questions for him, But being a largely uneducated man, he couldn't answer them completely. But he did tell them about God's unconditional love and Jesus' mission to save the world. He encouraged them to at least read one of the Gospels. Richard had read scriptures before, but this time things were different for him. He couldn't understand why, but his heart was pricked while reading the Word. He later found out that the carpenter and his wife had spent hours praying for the Wormbrands every night. Richard believed and was saved. He would later write, The Bible he gave me was written not so much in words, but in flames of love, fired by his prayers. Sabina was not instantly convinced, however. Her vision of life married to Richard was one of the high life. She wanted to continue on the trajectory that they were already on, making good money, spending that money on good times and luxuries. But by now, Richard knew the emptiness and vanity of these things. One night, he dragged Sabina to a party where the alcohol was flowing. As the partygoers got more and more drunk and more and more outrageous, Sabina begged Richard to leave, but he wouldn't let her. He wanted her to stay and see where that life led. She understood and came to know Christ herself. Richard was led to the tutelage of a Jewish Christian pastor named Isaac Feinstein in Jassy, Romania. Through talks with Feinstein and reading the Bible and prayer, Richard came to understand that surrender to the service of God was a complete one. As Paul says in Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Richard couldn't know then what was in store for him, but he would fulfill Romans 12.1 to the utmost. Richard and Sabina were baptized, and Richard was ordained as an Anglican minister. Their son Mihai was born in 1939. Romania was allied with Germany during World War II, and when they declared war on England, the English-born Anglicans had to leave the country. Richard stayed behind and carried on as usual. The fascist, pro-Nazi government was extremely anti-Jew. Sabina's parents, sisters, and brother were all killed by the Nazis. In 1941, there was a great period of persecution in Jassy. Over 13,000 Jews were killed by soldiers and mobs of citizens. Among those killed were Isaac Feinstein and most of his Jewish-Christian congregation. Being a believer did nothing to protect those of Jewish ancestry from the savagery of the time. During the war, the Wurmbrands were involved in many subversive activities. They smuggled Jewish children out of the government ghettos, Richard and his congregation would go from bomb shelter to bomb shelter, preaching and encouraging the populace. Richard and Sabina were imprisoned over and over. They suffered beatings and were once hours away from execution, until the editor of an influential newspaper stepped in to convince the authorities to release them. But even in prison, the Wormbrands were witnesses for Christ. They evangelized soldiers and their guards, even winning some converts. Once the war ended the communists came. Things did not get better for the Wormbrands. Of course, the Reds were scientific men. They had no room for God, and they had no more love for Christianity than the fascists had had for Jews. The first object of the government was to cow the Roman Catholic Church. Churches were all nationalized, and their assets were completely controlled by the state. The government controlled the appointment of priests and ministers. Priests that resisted were imprisoned, or worse— and dioceses were shut down across the country. Richard and other Protestants saw what was happening and were anxiously waiting for the other shoe to drop. It came in 1945 when the Romanian government called a Congress of the Cults. Basically, they brought together 4,000 religious leaders from across the country, priests, pastors, rabbis, mullahs, and more, to bring them to heel. These leaders applauded as the communists spoke. They cheered for Stalin, they blessed the communist prime minister, and one after another, they stood up to speak and welcome the communists and promised to cooperate with the government. Basically, they were bending a knee to Stalin and his atheist brethren, and this whole assembly was broadcast nationally on television. Well, Sabina couldn't take it. She said to Richard, go and wash this shame from the face of Christ. He replied that she'd lose him if he did. I don't need a coward, she said. Go and do it. With that, Richard rose and asked for permission to speak, which was eagerly granted. By this time, Wormbrand was a well-known and respected leader in the country, and the government was happy to receive his endorsement. He approached the microphone and began to speak, but he didn't endorse communism. He spoke to the ministers of their duty to glorify God and to work for his kingdom, as opposed to the kingdom of the world. He slammed communism and what it represented. Here are Richard's own words describing what happened next. As I went on, priests who had sat for hours listening to flattering lies about the party seemed to awake as from a dream. Someone began to clap. The tension snapped and applause suddenly broke out, wave after wave, with delegates standing up to cheer. The minister of the cults, a former Orthodox priest called Berduccia, who had been an active fascist in other times, shouted from the platform that my right to speak was withdrawn. I replied that I had the right from God, and continued. In the end, the microphone was disconnected, but by then the hall was in such an uproar that no one could hear anything. The communists cut the transmission and terminated the Congress. Richard took his ministry underground. He would meet in secret with his flock, Since large group meetings were discouraged and illegal, uh, they would meet in parks and pretend that it was one of their birthdays and that they were a family. They surreptitiously printed Bibles and other materials by disguising them as communist books. They'd use well-known communist book covers and even print the first few pages of communist works, but then the Bible would follow that. They distributed these to believers and even to Russian soldiers. Richard would often go to Russian bases under the pretense of selling articles, like watches, for example. As the Russians would gather around, he would speak to them of Christ. He said that these Russians were eager to hear about God, because by then religion had been largely driven out of the public society in Russia. In 1948, Richard was kidnapped off the street by the secret police. He was walking from his home to church when he was grabbed and shuffled into a government car. He was stuck in solitary confinement, where he would stay for three years, all the while being tortured physically and mentally. He was beaten, he was forced to stand awake for up to 18 hours a day, he was exposed to continuous recordings of sayings like, Communism is good, reject God, and he was kept in prison under an assumed name, so that his wife and child didn't know what happened to him. In 1950, Sabina was also arrested. She was forced to work on the construction of the Danube Canal. Mihai was left alone without both of his parents. He was taken in by some Christian friends, who risked imprisonment themselves by doing so. Sabina was released three years later. When she returned home, she was placed under house arrest and found that their apartment had been confiscated by the government. Sabina and Mihai were forced to live in a single bedroom inside what used to be their large apartment. They didn't know if Richard was alive or dead, but the government sent folks to visit Sabina and tell her that they had been prisoners with Richard and that he had been executed, but she didn't know for sure. While in prison, Richard continued to witness to his torturers. He even converted a ranking member of the secret police, who eventually secured his release in 1956. Richard went right back to working for the kingdom. He was out for three years before being arrested again in 1959. This time, he was given a 25-year sentence. The torture and mental torment resumed. In 1964, Wormbrand was released as part of a general amnesty for political prisoners. In total, he'd spent 14 years in prison. I saw some photos of his scars, and they're horrible. His son talked of scars that you could stick your whole thumb into. All of this for the crime of being a Christian, and telling others of Christ in a godless, scientific, atheist, communist society. Fearing that another imprisonment would be imminent, and it might end up killing Richard, a group of Christians from Norway negotiated his escape from the country with the Romanian government. The government was in the practice of selling the freedom of political prisoners for cash, In a time when the price of freedom averaged about $2,000, Richard's freedom was purchased for $10,000. In December 1965, the Wormbrand family arrived in Oslo, Norway, finally free from under the boot of communism. Their first week, they attended a church service in an American Lutheran church. Recognizing the freedom to worship and overcome with emotion, Richard and Sabina wept through the entire service. While in Norway, Richard was asked to speak at a gathering of NATO chaplains. During a Q&A session, one of the attendees, Colonel Chaplain Cassius Sturdy, asked why the West should not try to coexist with communism. Wormbrand jumped off the stage and took the colonel's wallet and stuffed it in his own pocket. "'I took your money. Now let's coexist,' he shouted. He explained that every thief wants to coexist with the police, but it's just not possible.' The colonel and the others applauded and took up a collection and organized a speaking trip to the U.S. for Warmbrand. When Richard arrived in the U.S., he was discouraged. He'd only met lukewarm success speaking at mostly small chaplains' gatherings. He visited the only friend he knew in the U.S., a Jewish Christian minister in Philadelphia. His friend encouraged him to leave America. Richard wasn't young enough or strong enough to lead a church, he said, Richard agreed, but he asked to be shown around the city before he left. While driving around, they came across a large anti-Vietnam War rally, where a Presbyterian minister was speaking. Richard was incensed. He stormed the stage and grabbed the mic. "'You know nothing of communism,' he shouted. "'I am a doctor in communism. You should be on the side of communism's victims instead of defending their torturers.' The crowd jeered, "'How can you be a doctor?' At this, Richard took off his shirt to show them the multitude of scars on his body. Here are my credentials. Journalists were there, and the next day, photos of his scars and his story appeared in newspapers across the country. Interview requests and speaking engagements poured in. He toured the country and even appeared to testify before Congress in May 1966. September brought news of a planned assassination at the hands of the Romanian government but Richard would not be silenced. In December, he and his family moved to the U.S. permanently. To many of us in the West, this seems like ancient history, but it isn't. Every week, stories come from China about churches raided and Christians imprisoned, all for the crime of being a Christian. There is a secret genocide happening in Nigeria, where tens of thousands of Nigerian Christians have been murdered in the last decade by Islamists. It was because of events like these that led the Wormbrands to found the Christian Missions to the Communist World in 1967, now known as the Voice of the Martyrs. Richard and Sabina wrote books detailing their lives. She penned The Pastor's Wife, and Richard wrote many books, most famously Tortured for Christ. They worked to shed light on the torturous lives of Christians behind the Iron Curtain and around the world. They raised money, and provided printed materials to underground churches. Today, Voice of the Martyrs does most of its work in the Muslim-dominated regions, where the church is still undergoing significant persecution. In 1989, the communist government in Romania fell along with the other East Bloc countries. In 1990, Richard and Sabina visited Romania for the first time since their escape. Richard preached in churches across the country and on television. The Voice of the Martyrs opened a location in Bucharest where, among other things, they printed books. Ironically, they used some of the same facilities where Richard had been imprisoned as storage spaces for their books. God had brought Richard and Sabina full circle. They continued their ministry, traveling the world and speaking in countries all over the globe. Richard's outlook was, hate the evil systems, but love the persecutors and try to win them to Christianity. He would say that you never knew which persecutor would be the next Apostle Paul. One of my favorite stories from this later period of Richard's ministry happened while Richard was attending a lecture of Madeline Murray O'Hare, the atheist apologist. Richard was in the audience, and when it came time to ask questions, he said, I have traveled throughout the world and saw many charitable works like Christian hospitals, Jewish orphanages, and even Buddhist nursing homes. Could you give me one example of any atheistic charitable establishment? O'Hare was silent for a full three minutes, and then Richard was invited up on the stage to continue speaking. Richard continued his ministry past his 85th birthday. He wrote of his life, Our lives are planned in eternity. Our lives serve God's purpose. I can be confident even when I understand nothing. Sabina died on August 11, 2000 and Richard died the next year on February 17, 2001. They'd suffered and persevered for Christ's sake. He'd given them victory on this earth, and now they are enjoying their final rest with him. So this ends another episode of Giants of the Faith. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope it will inspire you to remember in your prayers Christians around the world who worship despite the risk to life and liberty that they face. If you have any comments or corrections, or even any suggestions on figures you'd like profiled, please send them along to podcast at giantsofthefaith.com. I'd be glad to hear what you think of the show. Until next time, God bless.